there's just no limit to how technology can be incorporated into our intimate lives. And a lot of folk might think this is about pain, but it can be many things. They are almost an interesting symbol for the way vaginas have been thought about and treated through history. Come on. It is time to talk about sex. <laughs> it's always time to talk about sex when I'm here, Maya. <laughs> um, Tanya, welcome back. Another week. Another, another thing to chin wag about and about... A fortnight ago, we ran through celebrity sex toy endorsements um, and some of the problems, but also uh, positives of of the thing. And in that time since, I came across an article by, uh, originally aired on another certain radio station, who will (laughs) remain unnamed, about chastity belts and how they were being, uh, they were being repurposed by hackers Repurposed is a good word. <laughs> Repurposed by hackers. Yeah. And so we thought it would be a good chance and a good moment to be able to recap the history of chastity belts and go into a little bit more depth about, again, the issues with these sex toys being repurposed by hackers. Um, some obvious issues there, but we'll go into it a little bit deeper in a moment. Um, we want to talk about these electronic chastity belts or cages and basically what they're doing is they are locking in a few peepees into <laughs> certain little cages we've done episodes in the past um on kink and sex tech before this so tanya we know this is well up your alley <laughs> but we were only just talking about the increase in the use of sex tech and now there's this quote-unquote security breach what is this making you think, Tanya? Oh, boy. I think when I first read that article, uh, my eyes popped. I was just like, oh, wow. Isn't it amazing, first of all, that there's just no limit to how technology can be incorporated into our intimate lives? Totally. So that's just fascinating and intriguing and and kind of exciting as well. Um, and so when I first he- heard of chastity devices as part of teledildonics, it made a lot of sense to me because quite a lot of people do distant submission and service play. That's that's not a new concept at all. I know, I know a lot of stuff has been coming up remotely and online because of COVID and lockdowns and people being apart. But this has been a part of the kink community for quite some time. So there are lots of folks acting out submission and service fantasies online. And this feels like a digital extension of that play. Uh, So now somebody thousands of miles away can exercise control over your junk, you know, and if you're into that kind of thing, it's hot. But then I read about the devices only being able to be unlocked by a password and I got a little concerned because what if you're (laughs) like me and you forget your passwords? Totally. I, I forget them all the time. And then I read the article... Uh, further, and it suggested that control can be passed to different people. And then my consent hat, my consent light just went ding. Uh, how, where does consent come into this if you're passing around control of somebody's junk to yeah. people far away? Right? So that that's, um, you, you know, you need to, with anything in the kink community, it's always well negotiated and well consented to. Uh, so this kind of feels a little bit dangerous. And then I was thinking, well, you know, what if the device has been passed around to so many people and it's just forgotten, like somebody leaves it down the back of their couch or something and then there's somebody thousands of miles away with a, a device locked on their junk, can't get it off. And then, then 
yeah, as I read into the article, this this is the kind of thing that's happened, and people are then trying to get the darn things off with bolt cutters, and that that is scary. I think that's you know not really where we set out with that fun, sexy idea of controlling people's junk. No, not at all. Yeah, not not at all. Do you think um, off the back of that? security in this area of sex tech is going to become a growing concern, especially when it comes to remote controlled devices? Yeah, uh, I think uh, I'm happy to see that the manufacturers of the the chastity devices have built some more safety into the newer versions and they've also released videos online showing people how to unlock them so that's good so if anybody does find themselves stuck in a perfect precarious position google first before you start getting the tools out of the shed to unlock things Mm. Um, but i do think um security is going to be a concern i mean we already know uh I, i mean People are already getting contacted by hackers saying, oh, we know your porn history and we're going to publish it on all your social media unless you give us this amount of money. Mm. Right? That's a fairly common hack. I have quite a lot of clients actually contacting me, panicking, saying, oh, my God, this has happened. I'm like, oh, th- you know, that's a scammer. Mm. You know, it's pretty okay. I don't, don't think people are hacking into your porn history and do not pay them any money. Right? So this is happening very frequently. Um, but I was pretty concerned that hackers were... Uh, getting hold of these people with the chastity devices and attempting to extort money by saying that they couldn't unlock the devices, you know, so Mm. they're wanting transfers into Bitcoin. So that was kind of interesting. Look, I'm gritting my teeth throughout this whole whole (laughs) thing because it is, while it might be a bit, like, funny and um, amusing, it is, I guess, if it was to happen to you, could be extremely terrifying. Absolutely. And I I think... It's really like I was thinking, gosh, if I was a hacker, I don't think male chastity devices would be my first thought. No. But then I thought about it again. And and when you think about it, there's a lot of shame and a lot of stigma associated with sex. So it's perfect for blackmailing and harassing people. And because there's this burgeoning industry in teledildonics and sex apps, security is going to be a growing concern. And I think that it's it's a very very large opportunity for those with nefarious purposes to tap into. Absolutely. So I would hazard to people that you research the safety concerns and protocols when you're going to try products, uh, all products, all sorts of teledildonics, because there's mobile stimulation devices, there's a whole bunch of things, but anything that is going to hand control over your bits and pieces to somebody else, I would be very, very um, certain about who's going to have control and how safe that is. Exactly. So don't rush. Figure out a backup plan before you put anything on. Yeah, this this is part of the negotiation, really, when you think about it. Like if folk are negotiating kink play, they're like, all right, well, so what are we doing here? Uh, it might be, I'm going to totally submit to you for the next hour or 24 hours. Um, what is okay is X, Y, Z. What's not okay is X, Y, Z. We will have safe words. We will have ability to get out of this if it's a bit freaky. Mm. There's all sorts of things there that people negotiate and have very clearly understood before they hit the go button. Yes. Uh, and so I think if you get very excited and you're handing over control uh, to somebody that's thousands of miles ago away, that may not be anything like the person you think you're speaking to. Totally. You want to be very sure about that. You know, test it out with friends first. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, we're going to come back and dig a little deeper in the history of chastity belts right after this track by Cartel Madras featuring Dom Diaz. There's a language warning out of Alberta in Canada. It's called Drift. Feel to million, give me a million, then I'm lenient. Now I'm feeling it, catch my drift, drift, drift. If you've just tuned in on FBI Radio, you are on Let's Talk About Sex right here on Mornings with me, Maya Billick, and I'm joined by Tanya Coons, and we are chatting through. We were originally talking about uh, hacking into chastity belts, but now we want to recount some of some of the history because it's been, I think, it may be came up in pop culture as a bit of like a joke in some movies here and there and we've been wondering if they were actually used um the story goes that they were used in medieval times to stop men's wives from straying big air quotes (laughs) there straying while they went away and more recent research again suggests that it's a bit of a medieval joke tanya do you reckon they were actually used um well, I did a little bit of digging around into this, not as much as I would have liked because it was a bit of a big weekend at my house. <laughs> Shout out to F-Star, my party partner and distractor. <laughs> um, but what I did read uh, seems to think that there's a common thought that the chastity belts weren't really used. They've even found out that the ones on display in museums weren't made at the times that they thought they were made. And they're kind of... They're a little bit of a joke or a public comment, which I find really interesting. So there's little evidence that women actually wore them, but there are drawings and writings over time, and they kind of seem to be hinting that women had voracious sexual appetites that needed to be controlled in some way, which I think is amazing because today's dialogue around women is about not liking sex. Well, it sounds like a lot of fear-mongering. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of the fragile egos of the fierce men soldiers going out to fight for years. I, th- I think that the joke was being made in the drawings where there was a husband who would be locking up his wife because he's going to go away and fight in the wars for a number of years. But always lurking in the shadows in the corner of the drawing was somebody who would have a second key and be looking very mischievous, right? So this to me looks like it's super early concepts of cuckolding which has um, existed way back further than I thought. And cuckolding is the practice of one partner. I think the word cuckolding applies particularly to women having sex with men while their male partner watches and is humiliated in some way, right? So it's about a man who's aware of his wife's infidelity and acquiesces to it. So I think that's interesting because I didn't think that that went back that far. Mm. So it's sort of like, hmm, so it wasn't so much control and chastity. There were some comments on what was happening at the time and how women were and how men were. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty obvious connection that we're about to make that this is no doubt going back to and stems to um, patriarchy and the patriarchal influence on women, women's bodies, uh, women's sexuality and so much more um, and on those for people who biologically have a vagina as well. Yeah. It doesn't seem like chastity belts were ever really used, but they are almost an interesting symbol for the way vaginas have been thought about and treated through history. You know, I remember 
way back when I was um, studying uh, gender studies back at uni, the story goes, you know, that patriarchy was literally just invented because you could always see that if a woman was pregnant, there was no doubt that she was the mother, but how could you ever tell who the father was? And that's why patriarchy had begun because there had to be some way to determine the paternity. The lineage, and that that only came about when we stopped roaming around. When we were, uh, human beings were sort of mobile and roaming around places, everybody had sex with everybody in the tribe, raised the babies. But once we introduced land, crops, animals, then people were more interested in passing things down and lineage. Bloody capitalism. Yes, and then, you know, those those horny women needed to be (laughs) controlled, apparently. (laughs) But more to the point, it, again, seems a lot like it is just this joke that's turned into a uh, tool for suppression and fear-mongering and social commentary uh, at, a lo- at a large perspective. Yeah, I, I'm interested that it's social comment or jokes because it seems to be inferring at the times that women had large sexual appetites and were not to be trusted. But I don't see that there were similar messages for men and I suspect it's the old double standard there where men were expected to or excused of having sexual activities outside of their marriage but women were most definitely not allowed. And I do think it comes down to the patriarchal lineage you know, and, and handing things down. So marriages were often financial arrangements. They yes. weren't for love and the, the way that we sort of understand things today. Um, so... You know, messing around and upsetting family's lineage was a really big thing, whereas it wasn't so important for the guys. Yeah, it's just women got a bad deal out of this quite a lot of the time. Are we surprised at this point? (laughs) (laughs) Not surprised at all. Uh, We're going to come back uh, on Let's Talk About Sex and go into a little bit more of this idea of where chastity belts sit in the BDSM sphere. But first, here's True Vibe Nation with A Girl on More Than You'll Ever Know. We'll be right back with Let's Talk About Sex. we didn't know we needed very unsuspecting but comes together wonderfully true vibe nation and a girl on more than you'll ever know right there my name's Maya Billick we're on mornings I'm with Tanya Coons we've been going through uh, chastity belts their usage in history or rather how they were not actually really used investigating Yes. Um, How they are being hacked as a sex toy. And now we want to move into how chastity belts and this idea of chastity has become a bit of a trend in the BDSM world. Um, As we can see with the electronic cock cage, which is what hackers have been using to hack into. Um, Tanya, are you able to walk us through how chastity works in the BDSM space and why people might be into it? Um, yes, I can. Um, there's, <laughs> it's where to start with this. So, <laughs> looking at the sort of non-electronic versions, it's usually a metal device that has a lock and a key or some kind of latch that the person wearing it can't get off. Um, and there are lots of reasons why people might want to use this. So, if you're looking at it in terms of submission, this is where you are consensually submitting to a dominant or an agreed person. 
And a lot of folk might think this is about pain, but it can be many things, including control over certain aspects of your life or your body. So in this case, it's often control over the penis so that an owner can lock a penis up that it can't be played with. And uh, they usually... Um, they, they have control over it. So it means that people can't play either by themselves or with other lovers. Mm-hmm. Right? So it can be used as part of sex play as well. It can be used as orgasm denial where you deny, where you lock up your lover's penis and you don't let them get aroused but while you're doing your best to titillate them or turn them on. It's like a kind of sexy torture. Right? So that's, that's kind of the play and submission. There's also service side of things where people commit to be in service to somebody a dominant a master someone like that and it's not necessarily sexual but it can be so wearing a chastity device can be part of that service something like wearing uniform or carrying out sexual tasks and reporting back on them Uh, anything that would be of service or to delight the master or the owner so it could be like I want you to go to a, a titty bar wearing your chastity device and then report back to me on how difficult that was or how easy <laughs> it was. You know, it's it's that kind of a thing. So the person wearing it um, feels special um, and it's a, a sim, it's very symbolic of what they've given over to the other person right? or it's a, a way of having control. Um, I don't know. I guess it's, you know, I liken it to some, sometimes girls wear Benoit balls or jade eggs. You can wear them through the day and be like, yes, I'm strengthening my pelvic floor muscles and nobody knows that it's kind of nice as well. That's your knowledge. So, that, again, the person wearing the chastity device can feel like that as well. I think I read an article in, in part of the research for this where uh, – uh, one guy wears it, he, I think he wore it for 400 days in a row. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's a lot. And he w- he had two owners, I think, that had control over it. But he was saying how people used to cruise him in the gym because his package looked kind of huge because he had the chastity device. <laughs> but he was kind of trying to dissuade guys from cruising him at, at the gym. And he also said if he was trying to hook up with folks, they wanted him to take it off and he would not. All right. So right. There, there was a lot of... There was a lot of negotiating in there. <laughs> wow. I guess the most important question there is, is this something you should wear all the time or just during play? Uh, I think that's up to the individuals, but I would always caution folks who get very excited about kink play and BDSM and want to do it 24-7. That is a huge commitment in your time and you need to think about things. I, I recommend that folks play and they they try things out and they have a scene or a period of time that they agree to and they sort of build into it the 24 7 lifestyle is not for everyone and it can be really difficult what's a big commitment it's a huge commitment and it's also a commitment for the person who's taking the power or being the owner the master the dominant because they need to look after the person that they have encased enslaved or entrusted tasks to um, would most, well, not would, I guess most people do do it then for shorter periods of time. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, you know, it's short, it's kind of like being sexy, you know, you're not doing that all the time. You have to go to work, you have to go see your parents, you've got to do a bunch of things that you're probably not going to incorporate that in. For some folks, it is their lifestyle and it is their everyday life and it keeps them focused and tuned in and turned on and feeling good in their knowledge and their pursuit of their kink. And if that works for you, sure, why not? 
But just make sure if you're using sex tech products that you've had a little think about the security aspects and who you may be handing control over to. And um, as always, my kink may not be your kink, but that's okay. Excellent words to end on. I think that's all we've got time for, Tanya. Thanks you can listen me. back to Let's Talk About Sex wherever you get your podcasts from. Just look up FBI Radio and Let's Talk About Sex will be right there.